Good afternoon, America, and welcome to the Dean's List. Has there been a cultural decline in America since prayer was removed from schools in 1962? We'll answer that question next on the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Dean's List. I am happy to have you joining us today. We are talking about prayer in schools. Uh, The other day I posed the question to you, do you think that bringing prayer back into public schools would change the trajectory of education in our country? I say yes. I'm interested in what you think about it, though. Do you think it would change things for the better, or maybe it would just muddy the waters? Maybe you disagree. Maybe you you think that bringing prayer back would be a mistake. Uh, I'd like to know what you think. Send me an email, dean at the deanslist.us. I would love to hear from you. Uh, I'd love to hear your opinion. Love to get the dialogue going. We're talking about the possibility. And the reason it's even come up is because Matt Gates is proposing a bill. It's called the Protect Prayer in Schools Act of 2023. The subscript title of the bill is to provide for a cause of action to remedy prohibitions on personal prayer in schools. So right now, nationwide, there are uh, prohibitions on, on prayer in public schools. You can't do it. And it's been this way since 1962. Um, And we are asking this question, do you think it would help if prayer came back into school? Yesterday I said that uh, I was going to bring the receipts that would show the cultural decline that our country has gone into since prayer was removed from school in 1962. Uh, really between 1962 and 1963, there was this, um, I I don't even want to say it began in 62 and 63. It actually started earlier. Uh, It actually started, um, well, I mean, I was about to say it actually started in 1947, but it actually even began before 47. Um, uh, The court case in 47 that referenced the wall of separation between church and state, uh, really, you know, made the statement that the court, the Supreme Court was ready to make some changes. They just, they, at that point, they had viewed uh, Jefferson's statement that there should be a wall of separation between church and state. The court looked at that differently in a way that the court hadn't looked at it before. We're going to dive into that eventually. Um, but that somewhat laid the foundation for 1962. It's almost as if the court was waiting for the perfect case to come along. It sounds uh, conspiratorial, you know, when I say it like that, that the court is waiting for the perfect case to kick Christianity out of public schools. Um, but, you know, those of us living in the in the current state in the current time that we're living in we know nothing is a conspiracy if someone says that's a conspiracy then chances are it's probably true so i think we have to look long and hard at this uh, 1962 the court did make the decision 
that prayer should not be allowed. When we look at this, uh, Miss O'Hare brought uh, this this case, and she wasn't the only one. There were actually uh, several cases that kind of came together, uh, and the court bundled them up as one. Uh, and Miss O'Hare really became the the front person. She became the um, spokesperson that would spearhead this this movement to kick prayer out of school. This is the prayer in question. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee, and we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. That's it. That was the prayer. The prayer was not mandatory. It was voluntary. This was uh, in the state of New York, this prayer. But, you know, you know schools had prayers like this all over the country. Uh, there were many states that signed briefs in support of New York in this case, you know, essentially in support of this prayer because, you know, prayer happened in, in the states all over the nation. And it's such a simple prayer, really. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence on Thee. So, you know, we're, de we're dependent on God and we're acknowledging that. And it continues, we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. So th there's really five things happening in this prayer. The first is we are acknowledging our dependence on God. And the second is we're asking his blessings. We're, we're asking his blessings uh, on us. Now, th this is students praying this. So students are asking the blessings of God on themselves, on their parents, on their teachers, and on the country as a whole. And this is this is going on literally all over the country. In just about every single state, a prayer of this sort is happening. And again, it's it's voluntary. It, you know, the students weren't weren't forced. Uh, this was something that that they were, you know, that they did if they wanted to. And for years, God answered this prayer. For years, he answered it. For years in this country, students, parents, teachers, and the country as a whole received the blessings of God. Now, at the time, you know, maybe they didn't realize it. And at the time, maybe... Maybe students and parents and teachers and the country as a collective didn't realize that they were receiving the blessings of God because students all over the country were, were praying this prayer. But we can look back now. We have the data. As I said yesterday, we have the receipts. We can look back and we can chart from 1962 until now, and we can look and see the data before 1962. And th th there are several metrics that we can look at to determine what has happened in this country since prayer has been removed from, from schools. And it's just, uh, it's mind-blowing when you look at the numbers. 
when you consider the numbers. And we're going to talk about some of the areas. Matter of fact, we're going to take we're going to take four categories because the students prayed for themselves. So we're going to take a category of students. They prayed for their parents. So we're going to take um, a metric from that category. They prayed for the teachers. So we're going to you know we're going to take you know a school category, uh, and they prayed for their country. So we're going to take that category. And we're going to look at just four metrics and see where we are. Uh, we're going to hear some clips from David Barton, who's been called America's historian. This man, he's a gift and he's a treasure. Uh, I've I've had the pleasure of meeting him. Uh, I've I've been to his vault in just outside of Dallas, Texas. He runs Wall Builders. Wall Builders is a nonprofit organization that gets their name from the book of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall. And the mission of Wall Builders is to rebuild the wall in this country. And it's a metaphor, essentially, for the foundation to rebuild the Judeo-Christian foundation that this country once stood on. And he does that through essentially a collection of historical works and artifacts. So as I said, I've, I've been to the vault at Wall Builders, and it is it is a massive room. And the room itself is literally a vault. I mean, it's got, you know, it, it's got the vault during the whole shebang. And in there, he has uh, historical original documents from the revolutionary period, uh, documents that George Washington has signed, uh, John Adams has signed, um, various proclamations, just artifacts everywhere. Um, he's He's got a lock of hair that belongs to George Washington. It's in a nice little baggie because back then, uh, you know, when you were dying, you clip off a lock of your hair and you'd give it to someone, you know. So this lock of hair that David Barton has, uh, I think, hmm, I'm going to say this, but I, I, I did, I heard him tell the story while I was there, but I, I might get it wrong, but I think it was the lock of hair that he gave to Alexander Hamilton. I believe it was that lock of hair. Someone will have to fact check me on that. So. Uh, David Barton and, and Wall Builders is, um, you know, he's been he's been doing the heavy lifting on historical work and documents and artifacts, literally for decades. So his museum is somewhat. I mean, I call it a, a museum. You know, his collection uh, is on the same campus as a an artifact collection that Glenn Beck Glenn Beck has. And so those two together have the largest private collection probably in the country. Uh, matter of fact, I, I think I heard him say it was the largest collection outside of the Smithsonian. It's massive. So my point here is David Barton knows what he's talking about. David Barton has done the research. He has been called America's historian, and it's for good reason. So we have three clips. We are gonna we're gonna listen to him today in, in an interview he did not long ago. 
Um, and in these clips, he is going to he's going to talk about the data. He's going to talk about the numbers, and everything is specifically in relation to where we were prior to '63, and now where we are since 1963. So let's take a listen to clip one. Here is David Barton. Divorces, everything else, and. 44 different categories, you will see those stats moving very clear and stable, and they get to 1962-63, and it's like all the protections off, and it goes, here's some examples. Um, this is violent crime. Now, this is before taking God out, and this is after. Now, for me, spiritually, this is really easy. Jesus sure. tells us all crime comes from the heart. If you can't control the heart, you can't control crime. It's not gun control. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's, you see what happened. We no longer have control of the heart. We don't have the spiritual blessing anymore. So you see a 700% increase in violent crime, which is what we're dealing with today, and it's still continuing to go up. Now, uh, obviously, this is radio. You can't see the chart, but he's holding, in this interview, he's holding up a chart that uh, shows from the year 63, uh, the bottom axis is the year. The side axis is total offense in millions. And from 51 to 63, violent crime is moving at a pace that is fairly equal with the population growth. Um, the, the, the population growth on this graph is just it's just a slight trend moving upward. When you get to 1963, the violent crime, the line on this graph, it literally almost, it goes straight right up to the corner. It, it jumps from 0.2. This is total violent offenses in millions. It jumps, it jumps from 0.2 to 1.9. And this um, this was done in the '90s, and he makes the statement that even even now it's that line graph has continued to move up exponentially in violent behavior. And the same is true for um, birth rates for unwed girls, 15 to 19 years of age. So from 51 to 63, it is. You know, it's kind of bouncing around a little bit. From 63, the birth rate of unwed girls from the ages 15 to 19 just shoots up through the roof. It's almost a straight line going up. The next graph that he has is uh, a graph for sexually transmitted diseases. Specifically, this uh, looks like gonorrhea, and it's in the age group of 10 to 14. 10 to 14, and from 63, it it just shoots up. I mean, it's um, it's just unbelievable. I'm going to post these these graphs on my Instagram page at least so you can see it uh, if you're interested. Uh, my Instagram page is the Dean's List 33. The Dean's List 33, and I'm going to post these graphs on Instagram so you'll be able to um, at least see it. So we're talking about violent behavior in the country. It skyrocketed. Um, and part of the prayer was for our country. 
Uh, we beg your blessings upon us and our country. And these are students talking. Um, and the other graphs that he shows are uh, graphs of um, birth rates for unwanted girls, for unwed girls. I'm sorry, birth rates for unwed girls. Or uh, the next graph is sexually transmitted diseases in the age group of 10 to 14. Um, that would be the students. They they stopped praying for themselves. And, and what has happened? Uh, it, it's almost as if uh, morality left the building. And, you know, yesterday we talked about the Northwest Ordinance um, and how uh, Jefferson put in there that th those states, uh, religion, morality, and knowledge needed to be a part of the education. And it's almost uh, in 1963, when we stopped having prayer in our schools, morality left the building, at least according to this graph. According to the graph, that he discusses. Uh, and again, in that clip, he's only talking about the violent behavior, but you know, he goes on, you can look up the interview. He talks about uh, the loss of morality. Uh, it's stunning. It is absolutely stunning. All right. We need to take a break. Uh, we will pick this up more with David Barton on the other side. You're listening to the Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back to the Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. America Out Loud is the premier news network. It is the rise of the new media. So congratulations uh, on being a part of it. I'm being one of the smart ones. Where smart people go to get their news and information. We are happy to have you on board. Uh, we just finished a clip uh, listening to David Barton. And he's talking about the rise in violent behavior throughout the country. Uh, between uh, 1963 and today. Um, he makes the statement that violent crime is up 700%. 700%. 
that is huge. I have uh, charts that I'm going to post on my Instagram page, uh, the Dean's List 33, if you want to follow me on Instagram, because I think it's important that you see this visual. Um, and again, this school prayer was, you know, part of the prayer was we pray for our country. And we're seeing violent crime skyrocket. Now, if that were the only metric, uh, I might say, you know, this is probably a coincidence that the kids are, are praying blessings over their country. And then when they stop, violent crime throughout the country goes through the roof. That's probably a coincidence. But the kids also prayed for themselves. And one of the other charts that I will post on Instagram uh, is entitled Birth Rates for Unwed Girls, ages 15 to 19. And you can see um, for the decade prior to 63, it's, you know, it's it's pretty regular. It, I mean, it's not really skyrocketing up or down. It's kind of moving a little bit. But when you get beyond 1963, uh, the birth rate between ages 15 to 19 goes through the roof. Um, sexually transmitted diseases, and listen to this age group, 10 to 14, from 1963 until, you know, the, the last date on this graph is 95, because that's, you know, when he he did the study, but he has since then, he has verbally said, you know, we've we've revisited these graphs and they just continue to shoot up. Sexually transmitted diseases in the age group of 10 to 14, you can see the graph, it just goes through the roof. And of course, the kids were praying for themselves. They were asking blessings on them their country, and also their, their parents. And there's a, another chart that I'll show you on the Instagram page. Uh, it's called Family Stability, and it shows the the rise in, in divorce, single-parent households. And um, it's juxtaposed to the population growth, you know, the population trend, and it just explodes beyond it. Uh, from 63, you know, from from 50 to 63, it's a normal increase. It's a normal trend. It's pretty much in line with the population growth. When you get beyond 63, it just goes through the roof. So the kids, you know, they're praying for themselves, their parents, and their country, and we see what happens when they stop this prayer. And something like that just doesn't seem coincidental to me that all these metrics, you know, start going through the roof when the kids stop praying. There is one metric, however, that did not go through the roof. As a matter of fact, it did the opposite, and it dropped. And that's school test scores. The one metric you would want to explode is the one metric that tanked. And so let's listen to David Barton. He's going to uh, explain that on the next clip. Here was educational achievement scores. You take the SAT test, which goes back to 1926. You go back here, and then you see the drop here, 17 straight years, and it bellies out. It's interesting that if you look at the, the SAT scores of Christian schools, they remained about the same. The right. schools that still acknowledge God were up here. These went down, 
And these scores are still declining if it hadn't been for Christian scores kind of bellying this back mm-hmm. out and pulling it up. And that metric is very interesting because as you heard him say, this is the same the score, this the same test, the SAT test that we've used since the 1920s when they were doing this study up through the, the 90s. We had the same test. Nothing changed about the test. The only thing that changes is in 1963 we stopped having prayer in schools. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this chart on the Instagram page, and you can see uh, before 1963, it's you know it looks like a a heart monitor really. It's just kind of up and down, up and down, up and down, and then when we get to 63, the bottom falls out and it absolutely tanks. And he talks in the interview about how the SAT scores from the Christian schools stayed consistent. And he makes note that this graph would drop even more if it's not buoyed up from the the Christian school SAT scores. If you extract the Christian school scores from this graph, uh, it would it would tank even more. Um, the next clip I want you to hear is David Barton talking about uh, the Department of Education and their response when he brought this information to them. We got this to a congressman and said, because quite frankly, at that time, I had no contacts in Congress. I didn't right. even like Congress. I was sure. a cowboy from the country. Just leave me alone. Keep Congress out of my hair. And so we met with the congressman and said, have, have you ever seen anything like this? And, he's, and he just looked back. He said, we've been debating prayer in schools for a number of years. He said, this is the first statistical evidence. He said, do you mind if wow. I have this checked into? And so he took the stats and he sent them to the Department of Education. The Secretary of the Department of Education came back quickly and said, no, it's nonsense. It had nothing to do with prayer in school. And so he came back to me and said, well, they looked and said it's wrong. And, and so we looked at what they told us. And we said, no, wait a minute, their stats don't match up. So we went back to the congressman and said, look, here's what they said, but here's what the stats show. He said, oh, so they didn't do a very good job. No. So he went back to the Department of Education and said, this time do it right. Last time was your opinion. Now let's see, put stats to it. And so they they came back with stats. And at the end of that, they said, "Uh, we can't disprove this. It appears to be. Because, see, they were suggesting, well, it it was all the anti-war violence. It was Sputnik revolution. We're changing. Sputnik happened back here in 53. It was still high after that. Anti-war violence, we're already well on our way down. And, And they said, well, that's all we can show. And the fact we can do double correlations to show that when you keep God in schools, scores stay high. I mean, it, it was significant stuff, even in adversarial proceedings. And Significant stuff, even in adversarial proceedings, he says. And I'm sure it was, I'm pretty sure it, it got pretty hot in there because the Department of Education, they don't want to admit this. You know, when they see this graph that, you know, David Barton is producing, you know, they're going to look at it and they're going to say, which they did, and now this this can't be, this can't be it. It was probably, you know, the whole deal with Sputnik and the issue with the Soviet Union. I mean, that was probably causing some stress in the kids or, um, yeah, maybe it was, you know, the whole anti-war thing. I just, yeah, that's, that's what it was. So they go back to the congressman and they tell the congressman, yeah, this is all it is. It's just Sputnik or it's anti-war. It's, it's not... You know, it's, it has nothing to do with prayer coming out of schools. 
And the congressman says to David Barton, you know, sorry, I mean, they came back and said, this isn't it. And Barton looks at at what they've produced and he says, this isn't matching up with, with our numbers and our data. You send this back to them. And it was, you know, when they took it back uh, and they actually then had to pay attention to it and look at the numbers, look at the data, look at the scores and actually test the hypothesis instead of just ignoring it because it didn't match their narrative. They had to come to the same conclusion. And it's funny, they said, well, we we can't disprove it. Um, I mean, it, it seems like, yes, okay, like this could be the case. Again, um, if this were just the only thing that we had, if we just had SAT scores, I might say, ah, this is really coincidental. You know, but when you when you add everything else on top of it, when you add the other measurements on top of it, combined with the fact that the kids are praying for themselves, their parents, their teachers, their country, and then these demographics just uh, they speak volumes to me. And of course, it's the same test from the 1920s till you know at least into the 90s. Nothing changed about the test. And again, you have years where it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, and it's falling or it's following a regular heart type rhythm. And then when you hit 1963, it's it's just over. It is over and it goes into the basement. Uh, so I'm gonna put these graphs up on my Instagram page, the Dean's List 33. Uh, I invite you to take a look at him. The last clip that we're going to hear from David Barton, he talks about uh, the future and where we might go from here. Well, the, the court has now opened the doors back. Now, we've been working on religious liberty cases for a number of years. I've been involved in 13 cases at the Supreme Court. And usually we'll win a good religious liberty case every four, five, six years. This year we won five religious yeah. liberty cases. And this year, the court knocked down the biggest problem we've had since the 60s. And in the 60s, when the court said, you know, we don't have precedent to take prayer Bible out of school, but we're going to do it, then suddenly everything was on the table as far as can you take right. it out. That's right. And there were so many cases that came to the court that in, in I think it was 71, they gave us a test called the Lemon Test, Lemon and B. Kurtzman. And the court said, look, we got so many cases coming, challenging religious activities. Here's the new test. And they gave a three-pronged test. And the first prong says, a religious activity in public can be constitutional if the primary purpose of that religious activity is secular. How do you win that? Yeah. How can the primary purpose of prayer be secular? Or, and so we lost every case after that. We just, we just lose cases, cases, cases. What happened this year was the Supreme Court struck down that test from 1971. Uh, wow. That test is off the table. And they said, if it's a longstanding historical tradition, then we're going to assume it's constitutional. Well, we've been praying at schools for 300 years. That's right. Well, we, they're going to assume that's constitutional or Bible or whatever it is. So now what happens is you have to be willing to fight once the door is open. They've opened the door and said, here, it's back. But that doesn't mean the other side's gonna go home and say, oh my, the Supreme yeah. Court said we can't do this, so all of us seculars are going home. No, 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 the door's open for us to go in and take ground back. But we have to do it. We have to go to every single school, because just like we won the, the Coach Kennedy case this year that says, hey, 
coach, he can pray at school. You're gonna have about 10,000 coaches kneel down to pray and there's gonna be about 10,000 lawsuits. Because yeah. all the local districts, you can't do that coach, you're not the same as what it was in Washington and you're gonna have yeah. the ACLU and all these groups say, hey, we can't do that. So we're gonna have to fight for every inch we get, but the, the deal is now we now have weapons to fight we haven't had to fight with in 60 years. If we'll pick up the weapons and move forward on this, right. on this legal battle, we can win battles we haven't had, but if we don't have a backbone, if yeah. we don't get offensive-minded, Proverbs 21, 22, if we don't get offensive-minded, we won't win. If we don't get offensive-minded, we won't win. So the, the interesting point here that he's making is we now have a, a Supreme Court that is interested in challenging some of these things. They're interested in it. They're, they're, they're willing to look at it. Um, I mean, you you heard him say that, uh, you know, he, we've had five victories with this Supreme Court just last year. And this, I think this interview was the tail end of 2022. So it might have been close to a year ago. Um, this, uh, this Supreme Court is favorable to this thing. You know, the the court in 63, you know, they said, we don't have a precedent to do this. We, we don't have a precedent to remove prayer, um, to remove the Bible, because from 62, 63, you had prayer removed and you had the Bible removed just in a short span of time. And uh, the court said, yeah, we don't have precedent, but you know what? We're going to do it anyway, because it's just time for a change. And we could go back to really the beginning of the progressive movement movement in the early 1900s that, that got this ball rolling. Matter of fact, we should probably just take a day and do that. We should take a day and just have a history lesson and, and dive into that. I don't have time for it today, but we will do it. But for now, for all intents and purposes, the Supreme Court in 62 said, we don't have precedent for this, but we're going to do it anyway. And when we got into the 70s, 1971, Lemon v. Kurtz, uh, the court said, all right, we've just we've got all these cases. We need a we need a test. And they called it the Lemon Test, and it came from this case. And uh one of the prongs of their test was that a, a religious activity will be allowed or it'll be deemed constitutional as long as it's secular, which uh, that doesn't make sense. Secular is the opposite of religious. But that Supreme Court said that, you know, they would be fine with a religious activity as long as it was secular. Can anyone explain that to me? I would love it if you could possibly explain that to me. You know, and and these, you know, the the men on this court. I don't think there were any women yet. We hadn't had Sandra Day O'Connor yet. So the, the men on this court are supposed to be some of the smartest in the country. But this is what we've come to. So the court that we have now, they're saying, look, if this has been a long-standing tradition that we've done in this country, we're going to deem it constitutional. So when Coach Kennedy dropped to a knee after that football game and took a prayer and the school district fired him because, well, you can't do that, and it made its way to the Supreme Court, this court said, 
um, you know, we've been we've been dropping to a knee and praying in this country for years. Um, even before 1776, we we were we were praying here. Uh, but from 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 76 on, I mean, this is something that we did. Uh, this is a long-standing tradition. We're going to deem it constitutional. I mean, if the founding fathers who wrote the Constitution, who wrote the amendments, if they were praying, then guess what? They believed it was constitutional. So we have a court that is very favorable to this. As a matter of fact, uh, in the clip I played yesterday of Matt Gates introducing his bill to the um, Turning Point uh, Student Action Conference, he makes the statement that this this has a good chance of holding up because of this current Supreme Court. This court is favorable to religious liberty. Okay, we will talk about it more on the other side. You are listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. While the cancel culture destroys our history, bringing crime and terror to city streets, AmericaOutloud.news will enhance its own message of love and honor for the American traditions and constitutional values that have always been the backbone of what America means, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back to The Dean's List. Uh, we're happy to have you on board. Uh, we finished the last uh, segment uh, really diving into uh, the, the the charts and graphs that David Barton uh, was presenting. And he he really, you know, presents a, a bleak picture in terms of of where we are from where we were before 1963, uh, violent behavior. 
for example, is up 700%. Um, sexually transmitted diseases. And the graph that he has is the age group of 10 to 14, which is, uh, you know, even that alone is enough just to, you know, make you shake your head. And that graph is through the roof. Um, teen pregnancies, you know, 15 to 19 is through the roof. And and the other graph that's not through the roof is, you know, education scores, SAT scores, and that's in the basement. That's the one that, you know, you, if things are going up, you 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 kind of want that to go up, and it doesn't. It's doing the, the reversal. And um, it seems to correlate, you know, 1963, when this little prayer got, you know, kicked out of schools. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee. And we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. And you know, you you might think if it were just one measurement, if it were if it was just violent behavior, that maybe it might be something else. But you know, David Barton talks about forty-four metrics that they've measured, and all forty-four are going in the direction that you don't want them to go into. Benjamin Rush said that. Christianity, and he's talking about Christianity when he says all its doctrines and precepts are calculated to promote the happiness of society. And it really is true. Uh, biblical principles um, on purpose promote the happiness of society. So joining us in studio for our final segment today is Cindy. Welcome aboard. Thanks, Dean. Um, so you taught Bible class at Waterbrook for a few years. I did. And so you you know firsthand about biblical principles, you know, being taught in a school setting. Um, maybe you could speak to that. Yes. So the reason I started teaching eighth grade Bible is um, because every, every August, uh, you seem to come around to the staff with classes that... Right. Do not yet have teachers, and you're you're wondering who can who can fill in, who can teach this class or that class. Yeah, that happens from time to time. So this particular year, you came to me, and and you needed an eighth grade Bible teacher. So uh, that is how I got wrangled into this. Um, and I did teach it for four years. Um, in eighth grade is not that bad, actually. No, it's not. It's not. It's that, not. I mean, they're okay. They're, they're good, and they grow up to be seniors. And they do. We love our seniors. We do. We love our eighth graders. We do. Occasionally, but we love it when they become seniors. Yeah, we do They're so much fun. So, so you you know you you taught it. Uh, you dove into it with them. Uh, I know they loved it. You know they they learned a lot. What um, what experience did you have? I mean, how was it? So, when you yesterday when you were talking about the the Benjamin Rush quote, yes. Um, and he is talking about the happiness of society, right. that, that biblical principles are, how exactly does yeah, he say that? Yeah, he, he says that the doctrines and precepts are yes. calculated to promote, to promote the happiness of society. Yes. So when you said they promote the happiness of society, it, it sparked my memory of something I would do with the eighth graders um, at the beginning of, of the year uh, when I wanted to show them how 
relevant the Bible is. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're they're Christian mm-hmm. kids and they already believe the Bible is relevant, but I wanted to make it simplistic for them. Right. I right. wanted it to to be very clear and simple. Right. So I came up with this idea to go through the Bible and in the in the New Testament, Paul will have lists of things. Mm-hmm. And in, in one of the lists, he said, get rid of these things. Okay. And we were finding that these things were the things that promote darkness, okay. basically. And then we were finding lists where he would say, do these things, be these things, become these things. Mm. So what we did was I decided I would place these lists up on the board. As we come across them, I'd write them on the board. Okay. Um, and it turned into the light list and the dark list. Okay. I'm noticing more and more people waking up and say, this is this is a spiritual battle we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, this is light and darkness. This is a difference between light and darkness in a spiritual battle. Um, and it just so happens that we, we called our list the light list and, and the dark list. Okay. So on the dark list, we had, we found such things as um, being a gossip, mm-hmm. being a slanderer, mm-hmm. um, insolent, arrogant, boastful, God-haters. Um, it said there's those who invent ways of doing evil. Wow. Are we seeing that? Yeah, we are. Um, disobedient to parents, senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless, um, lying and deceitful, given to drunkenness and sexual immorality, debauchery, um, jealous, grumbling, complaining, causing discord, having selfish ambitions, fits of rage, hateful, envious, bitter, brawling, obscene, engaging in foolish talk, filthy language, coarse joking. Mm. So there's that list. Mm -hmm. That may not be everything, but that's that's a long list. That's the get rid of list. That's the get rid of list, the, the dark list. And then we have the light list. And it includes such things as, of course, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We found it's good to be compassionate, gracious, Mm -hmm. merciful, forgiving, thankful, grateful, truthful, honest, humble, hopeful, devoted to prayer, which is what you've been talking about the past couple of days, watchful, encouraging, comforting, honorable, helpful, hospitable, diligent, enduring, persevering, knowledgeable, wise, having soundness of speech, clear-minded, having the desire to do what's right, eager to do what's right, um, and able to distinguish between good and evil. Wow. Um, So those lists would be up on the board. Okay. And when they were completed, I would say, now you you get to choose one world to live in. Mm. So... There's these two worlds, the world of the light and the world of the dark, and and you get to choose one. Okay. What world do you want to live in? Yeah. And, of course, what do you think they chose? Yeah, they probably chose the the good list. Right. Yeah, every time. Because who wants to live in a world where everyone slanders and gossips and lies to you and is ruthless? and? Yeah, nobody wants to live there. Nobody wants that. I don't want to live there. I, th- I think most people would would choose choose the light. Mm-hmm. They want to live in a society um, 
where people are loving and joyful. Mm-hmm. They're compassionate and and hopeful and humble and, and all those things. Um, so she was an atheist and she didn't believe in God. And so she was upset uh, that her son was, you know, was reading the Bible and, and saying this prayer. But, I mean, you can be an atheist and not believe in God, yet still, you you would probably still choose to live in that world. I would believe so. A world that is, let me see your list, full of love and joy and and goodness and kindness and, you know, comforting, helpful. Yes. Hospitable, clear-minded. Yes. So when I when I put these next to each other and I told them, you only get to choose one. Mm-hmm. It's just this, this light bulb came on. I could see it all over their faces. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they just lit up. It's just this, oh my goodness. Yeah. You could see the, the revelation come over them. Right. That this, you know, we, we have this choice before us. We actually have this choice before us. Right. Hence the relevance of the Bible. Right. It outlines the choice before you. Right. And now more than ever, especially over the past three years, I think we're we're as a society waking up and we're realizing. So it really is this way. We have we have these two choices. Mm-hmm. There's light and there's darkness. It's true. Um and if we take the Bible away, then the light list goes away. Mm. But if we also, if we take the Bible away, oddly enough, the uh, darkness seems to stay. Oddly enough, the dark list sticks with us. It's human nature. The dark list is it's it's the worst part of humanity, it sounds like. Yes. And we almost need this list of light repeated to us on a regular basis. Absolutely, from from the time we're born. Mm-hmm. And then once we enter school as preschoolers or kindergartners, how amazing if we are taught these principles. Because mm-hmm. if we're taught these principles, surely mm-hmm. we will have a happy society. But if these principles are ignored, um, and we're t- and we're taught that it's okay, all, all these things on the dark list are okay, mm-hmm. or we're even encouraged in them. Right. Um, what is it? I don't think that's a happy society. Yeah. So the other day I had mentioned a mutual friend of ours, you know, had said to me, what if politicians just told the truth all the time? How how much better would the world be? How much better would this country be if our politicians just only could speak the truth, if they just told us the truth? Yes. Or what if the media just was honest with us? Yes. How how much happier would we be? What what a better place this would be to live in. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's I guess it's that way for all of us. Unfortunately, they don't. They don't tell us the truth. And I believe that even I mean, if you're if you are not a Bible believing Christian, you still want these things right. in your life. I mean, you you want. 
you want to live in this world, even yes. if you aren't a Bible-believing Christian. Even if you are an atheist. These are such good things. Those are good things. Who wouldn't want to live in a world that where all these principles were fully functioning, or at least on some level functioning in the lives of everyone that we came in contact with? Right. Right. Because you can still believe, you know, that you can still follow the Ten Commandments and and not be um, a member of Judaism or not be a Christian. Right. You can still be an atheist and, and follow the Ten Commandments. You can still believe it's not a good idea to kill someone. Right. And many people do. Many. There are plenty of, of people who follow these, some of these, and they aren't Bible-believing Christians. They aren't. So, I mean, I think you and I both feel this way, that it would be a-okay for the Supreme Court to... <laughs> I would think so. I would think so. But... Uh, because, so, the Bible is offensive to many people. It's offensive, but yet, I think those who are offended by the Bible still want to live in a happy society where these principles of light mm -hmm. are everyday life. Sure, they, they, they would still want to engage in love and joy and goodness, kindness. I mean, they would want to be loved. Sure. They would want people to tell them the truth. They would want to be encouraged. Um, so even if even if you don't believe in the Bible, these things are are absolutely relevant. Well, they are relevant. And um, you know, I, I guess it's unfortunate that they're that they're not allowed to be presented, you know, at least to our children in the in the public schools. That might change. Uh, we do have hope. That's that's what's what we're about. We have hope that we can turn this thing around. Um, David Barton and both Matt Gates believe that the Supreme Court is is willing, and I and I would be right there with them. In the meantime, um, what do we say to parents that that maybe their children are in a public school, children that don't go to Waterbrook? Well, we encourage them to to teach these principles in their home. Yeah, yeah, we do. That's that's kind of what uh, Samuel Adams was saying to John. If if the fathers would uh, would teach the kids, yeah, it's what he was saying. You know, patriots unite in their endeavors to tell the dads, teach your children to love and fear God, and to love one another, and to love your country. Can you imagine though if if the biblical principles like tomorrow, if schools started teaching the biblical principles again mm -hmm. and all these all these aspects of light i don't think that there would be parents apprehensive or worried about sending their kids to school mm -hmm. um, because in the long run that creates a very safe loving caring right. environment it creates a happy society and there's probably always going to be someone going off the rails somewhere but on a on a grander scale of just looking at society as a whole, these things produce a, a happier society. Absolutely. 
uh, envy, jealousy, gossip, greed, slander, those things do not produce a happy society. No, I I would say that most people don't want the people around them being engaged in those things. Right. In those qualities, even though they're not qualities. Yes, uh, we we do agree. We're uh, we're on the same page with that, and who knows? Maybe our Supreme Court will also find their their way on the on the same page with that. Um, well, it's it's a big topic. Uh, it's a lot to cover. You know, we our objective is to shine the light of truth on where we're at in education and. Uh, unfortunately, the the light of truth says that since 1963, uh, things have gone south, not only in education in terms of test scores, but in our society. Um, you know that violent behavior stat is just it's just mind blowing to me. Uh, but there's hope. There is hope. Uh, we can turn this thing around. And I and I think talking about it, you know, letting people. Uh, know, you know where we are. What what Matt Gates is is doing. What you know. Let's let's keep the conversation moving about how we can uh, make this thing happen. How we can uh, turn education around and turn society around for the better. That's what we want to do. That's what we're all about. Well, that's all for now. That's all the time we have, America. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. Get out there and encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age.